0: What's going on, people? Welcome to another week. This is the Live Life Aggressively Show, and I am sincere Hogan. Got Mike Muller on the other side. What's happening, man?
1: I'm doing good, man. It's always great to have Dr. Mark Gordon on. We're going to talk to him in a second. And... You know, I want to talk about the UFC, but the problem is by the time this episode comes out, the UFC that we just watched is old news. Like, why are you guys talking about that now? That that can that was two exactly. months ago. <laughs> so maybe exactly. we'll do that. We'll do that on a Patreon episode or something. We'll just talk about the yeah. UFC in general and then maybe we can we can recap that and do some predictions for some future events. Well,
0: I, and I, also, I can say something that is time oh, regarding that UFC that just passed, uh, two hundred seventeen that was in New York City. I can say this much. Here's something that you can take going forward. Come on, there is a lot to be said about being humble, okay, <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 trying to play mind games with people, man. Because you, you know you might try to play those games with the wrong person, who is like internally rooted, and therefore they can get get past all your BS. This goes with anything that you're doing, man. I don't care if it's business, relationships, whatever else. You know you can you can only get over it so far before it finally just backfires in your face, and then when it does. You gotta eat that humble pie, man. And you know it's almost Thanksgiving, so instead of pumpkin pie, some people got to serve up a bunch of humble pie ahead of time. New York, New York so. City was sold out of humble pie this past weekend.
1: Yeah, that's exactly. for sure. This past weekend in early November, they probably couldn't yeah. find a piece of humble pie in the whole city. Exactly. After that
0: event. So yeah, man. But um, yeah, there, oh, there, remember. that we can talk about on, on a Patreon. Yeah. List. So there's are yeah. the things that we can yeah. really talk yeah. about, especially just dealing with GSP. And there's something that can be said about taking a break, you know, from actually yeah. the things that you have to do so you can go out and enjoy some things and do it the way you want to do it and then decide to come back. So things can be said about that. That's, that's a whole Patreon episode right there. So a lot of, there's a lot of learning points from that, from that pay-per-view that we can still talk about, but we'll save that one especially for our Patreon listeners. So if you're not a yeah. Patreon listener, yeah, subscriber, it. get on it right now. Okay, get on that. All right. So go ahead, man. What you're about to say.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to say, by the time this episode comes out, we'll be right in the middle of holiday sale. So make sure you go to my website. There'll be coupon codes, incremental discounts. So what I'm going to be offering, I'm not saying the coupon codes now because I don't have them as released as of now. But on my website, it will be listed. It'll be 15 percent off any order, $100 up and 20 percent off any order, $200 and up. So And then you get free shipping for U.S. orders. So make sure you use those. Look out for those coupon codes on my website and take advantage of those sales. Now is a good time to stock up and get ready to take charge of 2018.
0: Exactly. And if um, you're at a certain tier as a Patreon subscriber, then you're already benefiting big time with some nice little discounts there. So, again, get on that. <laughs> All right, man. So this is going to be a very interesting episode. You definitely want to get our, our guest on here, man, and let's talk about so many different topics if we can get on here. Yeah, we're going to talk about hormone optimization in particular, growth hormone,
1: testosterone, estrogen. These are topics that our listeners always want to hear about, and especially from this guest. So, Dr. Gordon, good to have you back.
2: Hey, thank you, too, for uh, having me back again. It's always a pleasure. And I like the energy you guys impart upon me, so I d- I'm not as dull. I'm more energetic at talking <laughs> shit. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, we know... <laughs> This is, this you know, is a you place practice to talk what shit. you preach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No better place to be to talk shit than right here on the LLA. Okay. Well, I mean in a positive sense.
2: Because <laughs> exactly. you've got so much positive, positive energy. There's a lot I to know, talk about.
1: Yeah. I mean, hell, we were we were talking about big clits and small dicks right before we started recording, which is over the energy is up. And now we're right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm bumping yeah. All of a sudden, people are like, wait a minute, I've got a small dick. Wait, what were they talking about? Where, where whoa, are they going to share whoa, that info? <laughs> yeah,
0: check whoa, whoa, your estrogen. Whoa. They're like, is that a Patreon episode? Do I need to subscribe to
1: that one? <laughs> people are like, my testosterone too low. It's
0: like, no, your estrogen. The funny
1: thing about estrogen is, is it's totally misunderstood, right, Dr. Gordon? It's, it's people always get People always want to get estrogen as low as possible and testosterone <laughs> as high as possible. But anyone who's ever experienced that knows that if your estrogen goes too low, sex drive is non-existent, sex function totally becomes non-existent, and your just overall mood is off. You're way more prone to depression. So it's all about finding that balance with not just testosterone and estrogen, but all of the hormones, finding that that balance with the orchestra.
2: Absolutely. You know, in having three daughters and having done a lot of uh, uh, gynecology, obstetric gynecology in my past life, It was always interesting to see these women coming in on birth control pills, and you checked out their hormone uh, array, and they have no testosterone, but they're ready to hit that bed any time. So, you know, for women, estrogen, estrogen, I wasn't fine, the fine, hit that <laughs> <fine, hit> The <that,
1: laughs> fine hit that bed. You mean hit that well, bed as in you're tired? <laughs> uh,
2: their libido. Let me, let me go <laughs> medical on you.
0: Their libido. You, I was not ready, man. I was not okay. ready. I was drinking my tea when you said that. I almost spit <laughs> all over <laughs>
1: They're
0: ready to get hit on that bed, you and get, I
1: don't mean yeah. with the head.
2: Yeah. That's right. Well, you just talked about clitoris. So, come on. So, uh, they were, well, their well, sex drive has always pop- been great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't like talking about it. Come on. I,
0: I had to take, more had of to take three humans. You're hands a man on. of action. You're more, of man yeah. of more of, that a man of action. Instead of talking. You as, just as, Dr., to as,
1: Dr. You. as Dr. Delgado would say, you're more of a mouth-on kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is Nick. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was saying poor Nick. I wasn't saying that you were that kind of guy. I was saying talking about nah, himself. No, nah, no, nah, <laughs> no.
2: I'm not allowed to anymore. But anyway, what they've actually found, you know, uh, and it, what you said, uh, g- getting a little bit serious, uh, what you yeah. said about the importance of estradiol and the fact that you shouldn't be chasing it as a male is absolutely right on. And one of the biggest problems that I've been seeing is those who, uh, those individuals who are supplementing their natural testosterone with other forms of testosterone. uh, You have to understand that we need the estradiol. The estradiol, you know, helps us with our human sexuality, as you were saying, the libido center of the brain and the limbic system. Uh, Estradiol and testosterone together generate our sexual drive. And when you're on crap like an astrozole, which is an estradiol blocker, it actually drops your, uh, not only your growth hormone production, but it Decreases the brain's blood flow, decreases the white blood cells of the brain, affects the heart, affects the lining of the arteries. Also, since we're going to be talking about growth hormone, now articles coming out saying that we need estradiol in order for the growth hormone that either we're shooting or producing in our brain to convert or to generate the nine proteins, now 10 proteins in our liver. So if you're on anastrazole, it means you're taking too much testosterone or your zinc is deficient, because what we've right. used for fifteen years is zinc citrate as a natural aromatase inhibitor and it has three hundred other benefits on the body. So No doubt. And that's a good
1: mild testosterone booster as well, right? People that are zinc deficient often have a big decrease right. in testosterone production.
2: Right. Sperm production also it influences
1: insulin. So zinc is you know,
2: anti-cancer, antiviral, anti-Alzheimer's, anti-dementia has some major, major benefits. So, you know, products like ZMA is, is you know, is a balance. Uh, having Clomid and, and zinc, having testosterone zinc is a balance.
1: Now, when someone takes a Remadex, right, that can drive estrogen too low. Have you found that people often experience really low sex drive from taking a Remadex? And then we well, were joking about shrinking, but that that actually happens when people's estrogen goes too low. People are like, "Man, I can't believe how small my package is getting." It is from yeah. the estrogen level going too low. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, we think of males as just testosterone, and females as just estrogen, but there's crosstalk between the different hormones yeah. where they have systems that in order for you to be at 100%, you need both estrogen and testosterone, and if you only put in testosterone because you're blocking the estradiol, you lose things like libido, erection, quality of blood flow, anti-inflammatory benefits of estrogen, anti-Alzheimer's benefits, you know, just incredible. And that's why anytime you have labs done, you need to look at the entire array of hormones that regulate and run our body. Otherwise, you're taking just, you know, the little corner of the picture of the Madonna and child. You're only looking at the little corner of it, and you can't tell what the picture is or the statue. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that happens sometimes, right? People take TRT, and their testosterone goes through the roof, but they don't really feel that great. And it's Correct. because their precursors have not been addressed, the pregnenolone, DHA, androstenedione, et cetera.
2: Absolutely, and as we were speaking before uh, the program, is that Uh, between four and six months after someone starts on a pure testosterone protocol, they go back to their doc and they say, you know, doc, I felt really good at the beginning of treatment, but now I don't feel as well. And the knee-jerk response is the doctor just increases their level of testosterone. They feel good for a little while and then boom, they're back feeling just as bad. And it's because in the balancing of our body, when you give testosterone, the body says, hey, I don't need to make testosterone. Let's shut off this thing called LH, luteinizing hormone. Well, luteinizing hormone is what converts cholesterol into pregnenolone, which is called the mother of all hormones. And pregnenolone generates 11 hormones that make us feel good in our brain. And that's why people who are on things like um, finasteride and durasteride for hair loss and so forth, why they're getting in trouble with prolonged body ache and pain, with uh, depression, lack of libido, or erections don't happen. And it's because it blocks the conversion of testosterone to dihydrotestosterone (DHT), which is the real active form, and DHT is four times more anabolic and ten times stronger than testosterone. That's why things like right. Anavar, Winstrol, and Deca are so great. But they've got that thing you guys call Deca Dick. It's because <laughs> you need yeah. you need you need testosterone to go into the brain. DHT doesn't go into the brain. It's made in the brain. So these analogs or these lookalike drugs, uh, you know, do peripheral the benefits on muscle growth and so forth, but they don't go into the brain. That's why you always have to mix some real good testosterone, propionate, sipinate, with um, anyone who uses the, you know, Anovar, Winstraw, and so forth.
1: What about DHT cream? I know there was a study in Italy where some older men, I think over 50s, were taking DHT cream, and they found that their sex drive went through the roof, sex function improved. They were losing their hair, but they didn't care because they hadn't felt that virile in a long time.
2: Yeah, uh, that's interesting that you bring that up. In 2005, I was part of a small group that took uh, PLO, which is a phospholipid formulation carrier of testosterone, which was 10% and put it onto the scrotum and the shaft of the penis in the on the scrotum there's a lot of hair follicles in the hair follicles is the enzyme that converts testosterone to DHT, five alpha reductase, either one or two. And so in the genitalia, you get a huge surge of uh, DHT, which causes the, in fact, the endpoint, uh, that sounds strange. The endpoint was <laughs> an elongation of the penis by one and a half inches and a girth of uh, one half to three quarters of an inch. And when you stretch the, uh, the penis, when the penis engorges with blood, that stretch ends up being a signal to the brain that says, let's go after it. So it's more likely peripheral than it is central, meaning the brain central. And peripheral meaning the, the what did you say, sincere, the junk, okay, or the package? <laughs> Which one should it be, the package or the junk? Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> what's your preference? What's your preference? Because I'll use your, your preference.
1: Actually, I don't Any prefer point. it. I mean, I just okay, have fun,
0: but you know, okay, <laughs> yeah, junk, junk words. Yeah. Junk, junk okay. sounds, junk, like
1: junk sounds like something you throw away. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's
0: why. Right. That's why I only no. say my penis. Well, you all my twenty-year-old listeners, all my twenty-something listeners. I mean, that's pretty much what they're doing right now. So we're gonna go ahead and go with packages. Since we're grown men here, we're gonna go with packages <laughs> because it's okay. a present. Okay, It's a gift. <laughs> okay,
2: it is absolutely, and we're just trying to embellish it, you know. <laughs> so anyway having a you know a, a comprehensive protocol or a treatment protocol that takes into consideration you know balancing the estrogens and I've never used Arimidex in my practice that's uh, because we've always balanced the uh, different hormones and we don't go for that really super high level because you know you look at the science and a 25 to 35 year old male makes about 4.1 to 10 milligrams of testosterone a day which is 28 to 70 milligrams per week. So why use 200, 300 milligrams as well as, you know, I see my colleagues giving their patients a shot of 200 milligrams every two weeks or 200 milligrams every three weeks or 200 or 300 milligrams a month. Well, the biokinetics, the way that the stuff is utilized by the body and how it runs through and what they call half-lives, in the first week to 10 days, they're feeling great and then boom, They drop, and then by giving so much of an injection, you stimulate DHT production and uh, estradiol production, and then for your rest of your life, you got to deal with the sensitivity that your body has just developed, so your estrogen blocker comes into play as we have patients on your product that is working well. Thank you. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I was really happy to see the results. I think it was two of your patients, at least back at that time, that were both on EC. my, My estrogen blocker for, I think it was two months. And it cut them, cut both of their estrogens in half. I believe one even more so. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's it works. So anyway, estrogen very important. Balancing your testosterone, making sure you replenish the DHEA and pregnenolone when you're on testosterone, and if you're on the uh, the congeners is what they call it, the uh, DHT lookalikes, you have to definitely always take uh, testosterone, which you guys already know very well.
1: What do, you, what do you think about in terms of options of hormone replacement? So let's say you're going to try to optimize the entire chain. Would you use capsules for pregnenolone DHEA or would you use cream? What do you What's your uh, preference?
2: Yeah, gr- great, uh, great question. In women, uh, the majority of the hormones we give them, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, is vaginal. And the reason why yeah. it's uh, intervaginal is because we started the study back in 2005. They absorb it so phenomenally well, and some of the benefits of vaginally introduced um, testosterone on, let's say, women who are perimenopausal or, or postmenopausal and have drying of the vagina and painful intercourse, and you know, orgasms are really um, impaired, or else they might have dropping of the uterus prolapse of the uterus, dropping of the uterus. Well, by giving the combination of testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, the lining of the vagina gets better, better mucus. And then the tube that is the vagina is smooth muscle. Testosterone makes it sensitive or stronger. So when they have orgasms, they're intense orgasms. And then the ligaments that support the uterus that become weak, We've had patients who have uh, had improvement in their prolapse by having the vaginal. Also, the dosing we use is probably a half or a quarter of that which you put on the arm. And when you put stuff on the arms, you don't know if they put, you know, lotion on the arms before, if there's soap right, that they use, right, that had right, lanolin right. in it, which blocks the absorption, or if they yeah. have six or seven layers of skin that the stuff can't... So you get inconsistent absorption. Vaginally, they get great absorption. And I'll attest to that anytime I can and
1: a side effect of a woman so you, who has you, you, you do a lot yeah. of these applications personally from what I've heard <laughs> so just to make sure. I just don't have the vagina to put it in
2: but um, <laughs> in it, it, it guys uh, we've had guys that use it directly because they don't want the DHT to go up to cause hair loss so You know, vaginally, there's no hair follicles for the most of the women I've examined, and therefore, you know, you don't have the problem with the 5-alpha reductase converting it to testosterone, which puts, I mean, to DHT, which puts them at risk for thinning of the hair, oily skin, acne, and so forth. So rectally, I mean, we did it in a group from San Francisco, and no, I don't specifically say San Francisco for any implied reason. It's just uh, people were more open <laughs> to trying different uh, modalities uh, to protect their hair. So yeah. well, not very many took it, but um, <clears throat> it, it works well.
1: So, so I know, And then with men taking DHEA or pregnenolone, would you use micronized capsules? What's your preference Absolutely. there?
2: Absolutely, I use a brand which is um, pharmaceutical grade, micronized, uh, encapsulated in a uh, vegan capsule, vegetable capsule. Uh-huh. That's because my middle daughter Allison, you know, is a naturopathic doc, and she says, "Pop, you can't use, you know, um, hoof protein, gel you know, cap, gel <laughs> cap. You've <laughs> yeah, got to use comes, vegetable." Yeah. So I said, "Okay, <laughs> you know." And my daughter, you don't want to get her pissed off because she has a vengeance; she'll get back at you. <laughs> She'll give you a recipe for something that'll, you know, that'll be good for you. Anyway, um, pregnenolone and DHEA micronized or uh, yeah, micronized are great. And, you know, all these products are testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, pregnenolone, DHEA. All comes from plant now. Comes yeah. from Mexican yeah, from, wild yams,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I've tried. I've tried DHEA cream. And it never increased my DHA levels. I've tried to absorb well. brand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I just take one capsule. If I just take one capsule of, I've used the MRM brand of DHA. It's only 50 milligrams. You know, that'll bump it up 50 to 100 points.
0: Yeah, I've had the the, sub, the sublingual tablets before. It seems to work
2: good. Yeah. yeah, we did. We have a nanoliposomal that hasn't been released, which is using liposome. And in fact, my older daughter, I've got three daughters, two of them are docs. Uh, the older one's in MD, the middle one's in ND. The little one's the smartest one. She's in business. And <laughs> the. <laughs> anyway, and uh, so we did a study on a lipo, uh, liposomal DHEA, and within like 40 minutes, the levels went sky high, giving low doses because having any one of the products that we use in oral form as a liposome, it can magnify the absorption four or five times. So liposomal, when they start coming out, is is going to be really neat. You know, even your oh, products is, can be put into a liposome.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was about to say that that sounds like something interesting for me. This is something you're going to be coming out with, a DHA pregnenolone uh, with liposomal uh, prob- delivery?
2: No, probably not. You know, the things that I've come out with have been the... Uh, the growth hormone secretagogues that have been on the market since 2001, and then the just uh, recently we released the um, the Clear Mind and Energy, and uh, which you know I'm hearing from people in the gym that it's keeping their focus up and their energy going, and it's all liposomal based, and the benefit of liposomal instead of putting a whole bunch of powder into a liquid, which will cause diarrhea, because of this. Liposome, it increases the amount that's absorbed because it's not destroyed by the stomach acid. And that's how liposomes really work. And they also get pulled into the blood system um, passively. They just diffuse into it as opposed to having to be drawn into it, pulled into it. And that's energy uh, expenditure. With uh, diffusion, you don't. Passive is what they call it. Passive. Now, with
1: liposomal, does it have to be a liquid or can it be capsules?
2: Well, that's a great question. We've been looking at the possibility of um, gel caps or liquid caps with liposomal in it, you know, Mm -hmm. and what it'll actually do is allow the liquid to get further into absorptive uh, area of the stomach, but the capsule size uh, would have to be altered large, you know, like one of those huge uh, vitamin E capsules. Right. Of course. Right. Yeah. that would be a a big deterrent for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Teaspoon. As uh, Sincere knows, we've got the spray and we've got the uh, teaspoon, or you both know, the teaspoon of the Clear Mind and Energy, you know, five cc's is all it is.
1: Yeah. And, it gets and with clear, clear Mind Energy, you have green tea in there, you have Alpha GPC, you have Rhodiola. Yep. And then Guarana, it's right?
2: Eroding, uh, and uh, oh. Mucopa and Guarana, but we don't add any uh, caffeine into it, and that's why people don't
1: get the jitteriness. Yeah, guarana has some caffeine, doesn't it? Just a small amount? It's one a
2: natural form of caffeine, but it's not, you know, synthetic caffeine sulfate or caffeine, whatever formulation mm-hmm. it is, which doesn't have a delay. And that's why people on, on some of those products that are out on the market, the energy drinks, they have yeah. to take three or four a day. In the study that we did over three years and then recently uh, the stuff that's posted on the website, People are attesting to the fact that it's lasting, you know, nine hours and no jitteriness. I have docs on it, uh, veterans, military, um, you know, a whole array of people in different lifestyles. And they're all enjoying it because it doesn't cause the jitteriness that a lot of the other products do. And it's only five cc's, a teaspoon in the morning, as opposed to having to drink some disgusting flavored product in the little can.
1: No, it's a good product. Also, green tea extract has theanine in it. so That probably helps yep. offset some of the jitters.
2: Well, um, the L-theanine that's in uh, the active e- agent is uh, EGEC or EGCG, which has mm-hmm. um, been studied and found to help people with Alzheimer's. It helps with regeneration of neurons. It has. It's a nootropic. It's a brain smart product, and that's why we call Clear Mind because it actually enhances, uh, appears to improve cognitive abilities, and we have a a 76-year-old Alzheimer's patient that uh, came into our program. His wife and daughter participated, of course, with it because he had problems with concentration and word. He was hunting for words, and after being on his initial uh, protocol, Uh, With his hormones and supplements and so forth, he improved. But when he got onto the CME, the Clear Mind and Energy, he ends up going out and buying a 1,200 BMW motorcycle. So the wife, Martha, sends me a picture of them on the motorcycle. I'm saying, what? (laughs) You know, 76 driving a motorcycle. And the next motorcycle he wants is a Yamaha 360. Wow. (laughs) That's
1: cool. But What what about uh, liver concerns? There's some concern with green tea extract, right? Not green tea as in the tea bags or the loose leaf tea that you buy at the store, but the concentrated green tea extracts that there might be some issues with liver damage in a small percentage of the population.
2: Um, If you look at the quantity that's used in the powder form, it's about four or five times higher than what we use in liposomal. Also, okay. the fact that the it's a liposome, which is a lipid. It's like a cell wall, cholesterol lipid. It's a lecithin and phosphatidylcholine that makes up most of the, uh, the um, product. And it actually... Uh, encapsulates the uh, solute, the, the green tea or whatever else, and it passes through the liver and very little really gets the liver gets ver, uh, exposed to very little until it gets exposed to the enzymes lipase that breaks down the outer wall
0: right so, would the EG, EG, with EGCG offset that though? no wouldn't that like, help protect the liver and, uh, and like kidneys as well, the EGCG is in the green tea so wouldn't it kind of offset that?
2: It can because of its antioxidant effect, but mm-hmm. uh, you know at this point, I can't say categorically that it does in our formula. We haven't done um, uh, liver panels. I mean, right now we're doing the liver, and we haven't found any uh, abnormalities in elevation of the liver panel. It's nine chemical tests per person.
1: So, yeah, and the, the same thing the, the, liver, the liver panel can be. That, that can be a little bit murky as well because people who work out really hard, your liver enzymes tend to go up. So if you, if you go get blood work done the next day, let's say I, I hit the squats really hard on Monday and then Tuesday morning I get some lab work done, AST, ALT, things they like go that up. are going to be elevated mm-hmm. as a result of the workout, not because I have liver damage. So it's, Correct. it's important to know how to interpret these things and also... You have to let your doctor he or she know what your lifestyle is as well. I mean, they should be asking these questions, but if they aren't, sure. you should be giving that information. And the
2: same thing that happens with cortisol: people come in and their cortisol right. sky high. What did you do a couple hours ago? I went for a three-mile run. <laughs> yeah. you know, or else not eating. There are five key factors that raise cortisol. You know, emotional stress. Uh, cognitive stress, like taking an exam, physical stress, nutritional stress. If you starve Mm or on, you know, a Neolithic or a uh, Adkins or a, um, what is it called? The uh, ketogenic diet. Yeah, keto keto diet.
1: Your
2: your liver, your cortisol can go sky high.
1: What do you think about a keto diet in reference to an optimal hormonal profile? Do you think it can be helpful or hurtful?
2: Uh, it's a great, great question and something that we've been dealing with relative to our veterans and civilians with traumatic brain injury because they believe that a ketogenic diet removes the um, oxidative stress, the free radicals. And free radicals muck up chemistry in the brain. So yes, the free radicals might alter the um, nice flow, of the chemistry in the brain that tells your testicles or ovaries to make hormones or your adrenals to release cortisol, so it's a it's an area that's really thick with information and yeah. it's bouncing both sides. But it's a, it's a great concept to you know focus in on how uh, nutrition influences our hormonal milieu, and it does, especially when you have toxins in it. You know, like toxins like um, if you're uh, Celiac disease, or you have a sensitivity, or you have a gluten insensitivity, or a sensitivity, uh, what can happen is the inflammation in the gut goes to the brain and can shut down systems. And we're mm-hmm. finding that's happening. And that's the gut brain scenario that we're hearing, starting to hear a lot more about. I mean, in the medical sessions I just came f- from in Tucson with the uh, Age Management Medical Group, there was a whole segment that just dealt with uh, the gut and the bacteria and how it influences brain function. So, absolutely. There's, yeah, now, uh, now, hormone,
1: now hormone function as well. There's a, there's a microbiome that actually increases mm-hmm. testosterone, and there's a company that retails it, and they sent me some to try, and it's it's pretty right. interesting stuff. You definitely noticed a, a big improvement in gut health within the first couple of weeks, and I'm a guy who's already taking probiotics, so there's something about right. this strain that was different than what I'm already taking. And I noticed a modest increase in testosterone above and beyond what I already get with my testosterone right. booster, less of strength. So I wouldn't say it was tremendous, but it was about 50 points higher than it normally is. But it was
2: noticeable.
1: It was. Yeah, over it was, a prolonged period of time? It was noticeable. About two months. Point- so I, I, stacked, I stacked my testosterone booster with this product. I'll find the name of it in a second. Right. It just sent me some a while back. It's a, I'll, I'll get the exact ingredient. And I followed their protocol. Usually, I'm around 550, 570, my total testosterone. With this, it was around 600. No, so it was it was during a, a very difficult training phase as well. It wasn't me resting for two weeks and then getting blood work done. It was the day after a hard workout. So it was quite a bit higher. It was quite a bit higher, given those things taken into account. Understood. I don't think it was something that could be used as an alternative to TRT, at least in, not from my personal experience, I don't think it's that potent. But right. I think given all the other benefits for the gut and so forth, I think it's a good adjunct. It also, right. well, also it, depends on someone who has really poor gut health and they may notice a way bigger increase because mm-hmm. they may have low testosterone as a result of poor gut health. That's the other thing. People that have really poor gut health, your, your hormones are going to be low for so many reasons. One, you're not getting optimal nutrition from the food you're eating. Two, you're in this inflammatory state Basically, twenty four seven. You know, people that have diarrhea or constipation—they're just going back and forth between these two things. A lot of people have gut issues and they just think it's normal. It's
0: like, yeah, I've got yeah, Pepto exactly. Bismol.
1: I'll just take that after every yeah. meal. They just think that's normal.
0: In, it's, not normal. it's not normal. It's not normal. It's not, not healthy. Yeah, popping Tom's like Tic yeah, like Tacs on the regulars. Like, dude, really? <laughs> yeah. it's like, and you haven't crapped in three or four days. They think that's normal. <laughs> if you're somebody that like goes three or four times, that they think there's something's wrong with you. It's like, who does that? Uh, somebody with better gut health than you, it's okay. So, yeah, man, that's weird. Yeah. Well, we're learning
2: a lot about that which we did not know and we assumed, and now it's being corrected. Right. I mean, it's only been in the past, what, four or five years that the impact of our gut flora on our entire state of well-being, whether or not it's hormonal or anti-cancer or indu- induction of cancer by the high inflammation Uh, also damage to our cognitive, our memory, recall, and ability to learn new things, and our mood. I mean, there are a couple of articles because I work a lot in the inflammation in the brain and how it influences our abilities. There are very clear-cut articles about how it diminishes our cognitive ability, our intellectual quotient or IQ, if you will, and uh, can alter us to be more uh, mood illnesses like depression, anxiety, OCD, Uh, ADD, ADHD. Also, the other thing is all these hormones like testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, pregnenolone, allopregnanolone, we look at them as being uh, gender hormones or sex hormones, but it turns out that they have an incredible anti-inflammation, immune-stimulating, inflammation-decreasing benefits, anti-cancer-increasing our CD4 and 8-cells, and, you know, we're just starting to learn about that. Also, when you take growth hormone and your growth hormone goes up, you know, the body responds with this other thing called somatostatin to try and stop the growth hormone from going right. up too high. Now they find that this somatostatin, which is produced by the area of the brain called the hypothalamus, is a stimulator to the immune system, protects your body from cancers and so forth and just crazy stuff. One of the things about cancer is this thing called ENOX-2, which is a marker that only cancer cells produce. And they now are developing a test where you could go into your doc and get an ENOX-2 test. And you look at your blood level of it, and it's real low. That's good. But over time, it might go up because, you know, we always have what we call cancerous kind of cells. But our body's defense kills it, but it still leaks This thing called Enox two, and then I was told that there in this presentation that was given that uh, they're going to in the future be able to tell you from this Enox two where the cancer is coming from—prostate or lung or breast or what have you.
1: Just fascinating science. Yeah, that's really fascinating. This is a blood test, huh? That's, that's something you can get right test.
2: now. Yeah, Enox two. Yeah, E N O X I think or E N O X X two. Enox two. So
1: Yeah, that's something that's I'll bad. definitely get on my next panel. Uh, regarding that microbiome, it's called yeah. Clostridium Syndens. Clostridium. clostridium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Clostridium yeah. Sindens. Have you heard of that? Okay.
2: Yeah. In the Clostridium, yeah, this cl- that's where botul um, what is it called? Botox comes from, one of its sisters. Clostridium difficile, and clostridium, which causes gut problems, and the other one is botulinum. Clostridium botulinum is huh. Botox. Okay.
1: Synesis is, is the one? Yeah, I did notice my glutes got tighter taking this, so maybe that's the, <laughs> that's that's the Botox. Botox type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: thought
1: it was the SWAT program I was on. It's just, it's just <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's interesting to see what the
2: image is on that. <laughs> Uh, that's that's okay. great. Yeah, I don't want anyone to <laughs> lose their lunch.
1: So I won't post those picks.
2: <laughs> you know, in our gut, yeah, the, the our company gut, that got... makes this
1: is, is Clostro Labs. They have a lot of information on their website, clostrolabs.com. Clostrolabs. They have references okay. to different studies, PubMed studies that have been done on this microbiome. So this, this is an emerging trend right now. Is the people are finally starting to understand the importance of probiotics and gut health and reducing inflammatory foods that you have sensitivities to? Uh, yeah like
2: what? Are you sensitive to any foods?
1: I'm sensitive to onions for sure. I, I don't eat onions at all. I cut those out most food I'm pretty good with most things I mean I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on a vegan diet and right whole food's plant-based diet it's what I've been eating for a long time. The only foods I can think of, I don't have any problems with gluten, for example. I don't eat a lot of bread-type foods, but when I do have it, that's not an issue. Onions are the only thing I've noticed that cause gut distress. I've seen people who have no sensitivity, no uh, allergies
2: to glutens, but when they get off of them, they lose lose an incredible amount of weight. So there might be you know, feeding the bad bacteria. Yeah, you've seen that, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what is it? And it's it's I don't know what the answer is, but, you know, supposition could it be that it's feeding the bad bacteria in the gut? Could it be the, you know, the GMO that's creating the problem?
1: Well, you know, when I go well, to God. Europe, have, have have you noticed with people on ketogenic diets ketogenic diets though that they tend to be really red and their heads look like they're about to explode? I mean, this seems pretty common. <laughs> I mean, I can think of a lot of people I know who do keto or paleo and they always have this really flush look to them and their head looks huh. like
0: it's swollen. <laughs> you
1: know? So it looks like our So it looks I like our president
0: no. our president's on a ketogenic diet, yeah, if that's the case. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean regarding but our president, maybe maybe when he said he likes to touch women in their pussies, maybe it was because he was trying to deliver hormones. So maybe it's not as insidious as we thought all the
0: time. Give me some hands-on applications. Okay.
1: <laughs> That's a joke, folks. Don't send me all this.
0: Don't, don't send all
1: this. Yeah, now, oh, Mike's right. making a joke about sexual predators. Like, yeah, shut, up, one, shut up,
0: shut yeah, for the, up. For the one or two feminists that we have listening, calm down. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: jeez, Yeah.
1: Now, with hormones, Dr. Gordon, coming back to how you determine, how do you you determine if TRT is the best option for a patient versus something, a natural protocol such as Clomid?
2: Uh, Well, the cutoff that I use is uh, 40 years of age or less, and the real focus is whether or not the individual wants to have children. I think it's a crime that uh, a lot of a lot of uh, doctors who are healthcare providers who are dispensing uh, testosterone don't take into consideration the fact that, you know, I had a 26-year-old male come in who was from the military and had a uh, uh, deficiency of testosterone. He was put onto injectable testosterone. Prolonged use of injectable testosterone is going to shut down and scar the testicles and the cells that produce testosterone and sperm, the Sertoli cells and Leydig cells. And they don't even warn them about it. And then they, you know, they reach the age that they're in a relationship and they can't have kids. So I use Clomid at first first line and we spent from 2014 to 2016 with a group of 200 uh, vets looking at the pattern of how to give them uh, Clomid in the least amount with the greatest response. And we ended up finding that 50 milligrams Every third day uh, generated across the population the highest response. Yeah, we had people who had been on testosterone in the past, so they needed a little bit more frequent every other day uh, use. And if they're greater than 40 years of age, and we'll still offer them uh, the Clomid. And I explained to them both about Clomid and um and, and injectable testosterone, and we go through good and bad on both, and I leave it up to them to say, hey, I want to try this. I said, fine. And what I've been doing recently, those people who have been on Clomid, I say, and they cross 40 or they're in their 40s, and I say, okay, you want to try now a hybrid program that we've been doing, which is an ultra-small dose of um, testosterone, maybe 20 to 40 milligrams every third day with 25 milligrams of clomid, and they're getting levels of 1,000 on the total, and the free is the key. They're getting it above 12 to 14. Free is really the key. Total testosterone is made up of different forms of testosterone that, unfortunately, you can't use. Or they're the forms that are attached to like uh, sex hormone binding globulin or the conversion to dihydrotestosterone, which doesn't go into the brain. And because I do you know, uh, neuroendocrinology, the hormones in the brain, I look at the transport mechanisms from the periphery, from the, the body into the brain. So that's the focus of how I look at things. So DHT is made in the brain but can't transport readily into the brain. It does get some right. into the brain but not enough. So um, that's the age that breaks it up. And, you know, I've got guys that uh, say, I just want testosterone. And I said, fine.
1: You
2: know, it's fine if their levels are low.
1: Couldn't free testosterone register low with hard training, physical individuals, due to antigen receptor uptake? Right. So I mean, my free testosterone may be on the low end. Let's say I do a really heavy workout on Monday. I get tested Tuesday morning and my total is great, but my free is on the lower end. It may be just because of what I just mentioned, the androgen receptor right. uptake.
2: Right. And But that's in someone who's a well-honed machine like you. Most of the people who come in at first sight are people who are depressed on a multitude right. of antidepressants medication, who are suicidal, uh, who um, are schlubs, which is nice Yiddish you to, you know, the term schlub? Yeah. A lump—it's okay. a, just a lump on a log. It's Yiddish for you know, <laughs> someone who sits at the a shlub, who just sits there and watches television, eating popcorn, candy, and whatever else because they feel so horrible. So right. these people usually come in, and their free testosterone levels are their free testosterone. You do the bioavailable testosterone calculation, um, but you know what? I don't treat numbers. I treat people. Yeah. So right. the numbers help me in a direction, and also legally, I try to stay as close within the, you know, the uh, range of what the medical community dictates. And, but there's a problem there because um, I see a lot of guys who come in who have gone to the endocrinologist, and the endocrinologist, the family doc, the internist, they have their blood work done, and they're said, hey, they're told, your levels are normal but yeah. they have all the symptoms of the deficiency. And so right. the doctors say, well, your numbers come in normal, and what you're feeling therefore has to be depression.
1: Right. So now you're okay. getting some kind of antidepressants or anti-anxiety exactly. medication. A lot of doctors operate on antiquated models as well, where they'll say moronic statements such as, oh, you're getting older, your numbers are supposed to go down. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I'm supposed to die too, I know that. Maybe I maybe I want to put that off for a while, right? Yeah. Rather than speed up the process, you know. Right. And you're your absolute... supposed to go down. Your numbers are supposed to go down as you get older. Yeah. It's like, yeah, a lot of things I... are supposed to happen as I get older. A lot of them not very good. You know, I'm trying yeah. to avoid those. There, there's a guy
2: at USC where I used to hang out, uh, Caleb uh-huh. Finch. Caleb Finch. He's in gerontology. And brilliant, brilliant guy who wrote uh, an incredible group of books and articles talking about the neuroendocrine theory of aging, the brain and its hormones. Well, the brain is the control center or the CPU, the central processing unit of your computer, your cell phone, whatever. Mm -hmm. And if the central processor goes out, your mouse doesn't work, your keyboard doesn't work, your, your vibrator doesn't work, all these things that you have as peripherals stop working. (laughs) So the real, the real. Oh, you, know, you finally
0: get it?
1: <laughs> no, I, I had it
0: on mute. I was laughing and I realized okay, no one can hear no, me I was, because
1: I had it on mute. I was
0: like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to. I'm I didn't want to leave, I didn't I didn't leave want you, to want you hanging there. Yeah,
2: thanks. I appreciate it. I
0: twelve year own self was saying, you know, hey, man, we should laugh. I'm like, nah, let him talk.
2: Okay, fine. So anyway. It's always
0: a big problem for people when their
1: vibrators run out of juice.
2: When they run out of testosterone, absolutely. Absolutely, that's or you humming? You can't hum <laughs> at the right time and place.
1: Yeah, when I can't get a hummer at the right time and place, that's definitely a Absolutely. problem.
2: Absolutely, that's terrible. <laughs> So anyway, uh, you know, it's what's antiquated really is the interpretation of the results. You know, right. we have a hypothetical hormone that has a range of ten to ninety, and when it comes in at twelve, the doc says, "Oh, you're normal. You're within the range, regardless of the symptoms." <laughs> what we do and yeah. how we get our success is we slowly bring it up to the median, which is the midpoint. And how you figure that out is, you know, ten and ninety together divided by two is fifty. So at the fifty right. point is the median of it and we slowly move up towards that number and we see great response one of the things that i object to in the mentality or the thought process in people who use uh, large amounts of anabolic steroids they immediately go to a thousand or five hundred or four hundred without knowing if their body can do the exact same thing with a hundred or 150. Yeah. Oh, right. Bubba told me that he was using 2,000, so I'm going to use 2,000. <laughs> so yeah. you missed the opportunity, and fortunately, I was paranoid when I started in this area because when I started before you guys were born, you know, the issue was that it's testosterone's going to cause cancer. Growth hormone's going to cause right. cancer. Neither right. of them do that, okay? Cause it. Either you got it or you don't have it. It's not right. causing it or pro- pro- propelling it along. That's a big, you know...
1: Well there was that argument topic. with with DHT and it doesn't it doesn't whether you have a small amount of DHT or a large amount of DHT it only takes a small amount to cause cancer right so it's you don't need to have a large amount to increase your propensity towards cancer when just a small amount will light the, light the fire
2: Well that's in you're talking about prostatic cancer right right probably, exactly yeah. With prosthetic cancer. Well, in one of my first uh, studies I did for seven years was before I got into this area or what helped me to get into this area was to look at the uh, effect of of testosterone, DHT, and estrogen and growth hormone and IGF-1 on cancer. And it was my first major presentation that I did to the medical communities. And it was clear that the key was estradiol. And DHT will cause the prostate to enlarge. And then the male Massachusetts study and then the Harvard study on testosterone cancer, what they found was if you're low in free testosterone, there was a delay in your diagnosing your deadly prostate cancer. And it appears that free testosterone helps to maintain healthy... Uh, prostatic cells. And in a healthy prostatic cell, you make PSA, you know, the prostatic specific antigen. And the PSA is what we've used as a marker for cancer or inflammation, I should say inflammation of the prostate because in elevated uh, laboratory tests of elevated PSA, only 2% of them are due to cancer of the prostate. 98% Ninety-eight percent of it is due to other things, like after having great hard sex, uh, doing gymnastics where you're on the horse and your or bike riding, uh, inflammation of the prostate from a bacterial infection from going to those red light districts and so forth, and <laughs> things like uh, non-specific inflammation of the prostate, which is common for people of my age to get, and that's why our PSA levels go up, and. Um, then a benign prostatic hypertrophy, a benign enlargement, which is DHT uh, mitigated or DHT caused. And we did a study where we were following a DHT and PSA, the prostatic specific antigen. And we found in some people as DHT went up, their PSA went up. When you drop the DHT by dropping their testosterone, their PSA dropped down. And to this morning in, uh, uh, consult with a patient, their PSA level actually dropped by 20% when they were put on testosterone. How could that happen? The anti-inflammatory effect of Mm. testosterone and estradiol. Right. I know it's a tangent, but you know your listeners should understand yeah, this broader spectrum and the benefits of testosterone, not only on you know libido, muscle, brain, anti uh, anti Alzheimer's. Uh, Cj Pike, also at USC, uh, wrote 200 almost 300 articles on the benefit of androgens and uh, Alzheimer's disease. We've had patients with Parkinson's that we gave. Uh, they were deficient in testosterone, according to the guidelines, less than three hundred and twenty, and we put them on testosterone. Forty-eight hours later, their tremors start disappearing, hmm. or it disappeared. Yeah, That's so
1: incredible. We're fine. So with yeah, P- with we're, PSA, is there a number yeah. you like to see? What's an optimal PSA number?
2: I, I, I'm really tight on the number. I like it to be uh, less than two. Uh, there was okay. a major there. Yeah, less than two. They say traditionally four or less. But there was a study done out of Danon Laboratories in Chicago with some couple of hundred thousand uh, prostate samples and blood samples, and what they found that there was third twenty nine to thirty one percent more cancer of the prostate hidden within the uh, two point five to 4.0. So right. the cutoff that we're doing, it's actually too high of a cutoff. So I you know two or less. Well, I'm at
1: zero so point five. So boom, take that.
2: You, yeah, that is a good number. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pretty happy with uh, that.
1: My, my, my yeah. last lab test was, was really good. I was pretty happy with the IGF-1, the testosterone looked good, cholesterol. My cholesterol is always, you know, I'm not too fixated on cholesterol, because I know there's controversy there with... What is cholesterol? Uh, what is I my cholesterol that word.
2: No, not <laughs> what is What is cholesterol?
1: We know you have sky-high cholesterol numbers, so you're biased in the other direction.
2: Well my my cholesterol yeah you know my cholesterol is 300 to 350 and all my markers for atherosclerotic inflammation are low and right. my ultra-fast CT scan of the heart that I do every three to five years, zero calcifications, which freaks out all the cardiologists that I see, the, my buds that are cardiologists. Do you, do, you think, who have,
1: do you think cholesterol is just not something we should focus on? It's not a concern either way? Or, or is well, there something? Well, yeah, or is it Oh, where
0: if you oh, have a family history of it, you know, should that be a concern for you know those people?
2: Well... I don't know what family history really means. Does it mean you're genetically predisposed to having the well, chemistry yeah. of inflammation in your body? Yeah, I agree that with that. My one of my closest buddies, in fact, the guy that uh, we're going to Thailand, Keith. We're going to Thailand together, January third, to learn about culture in Thailand. <laughs> oh, I bet and you. Are. <laughs> I
0: bet absolutely, absolutely
2: <laughs> about culture in Thailand. Thailand, so, red
1: light district. Okay. You know, yeah, I worked there I was, for was, uh, 10 years. I worked there on and off for 10 years.
0: Remember, I want to anyway, study
1: culture. I like to make a little trip to Bangkok. <laughs> that hurts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Keith's cholesterol, ex-fighter <laughs> pilot, Keith's cholesterol yeah. was 140 to 150. 140 uh-huh. to what, 150. That's what mine
1: is at right now, 150.
2: Yeah, he and I went and had an ultra-fast CT scan. My score was zero. It should be less than 100, greater than 400. It's not good. Keith's score with a cholesterol 140 was greater than 2,000. Five weeks later, he has open-heart surgery because the left anterior descending, which is called the widow maker, was 95% occluded. The doctors couldn't understand it. We did a blood test that we helped the lab develop called an LP6, and it has the inflammatory chemistry... Mm -hmm. That is associated with, you know, atherosclerosis. Now my scores were all low; his were sky high. That's called genetics. That's the genetics. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I enjoy my cholesterol three hundred to three fifty.
1: Yeah, cholesterol is interesting to me because maybe sometimes cholesterol is high in people because it's not being converted into sex hormones. Is that a possible? Is that a possibility?
2: Well. Yes, uh, if there is a deficiency of luteinizing hormone, which is what initiates cholesterol going into the mitochondria to be converted to pregnenolone, the mother of all hormones, yes, if you're on certain drugs or medication, there are things like um, elevated prolactin or opioids. If you're on any Mm. kind of opioid narcotic, it shuts off luteinizing hormone and therefore If cholesterol can't move forward, it moves backwards. And a lot of people who go on to testosterone TRT or testosterone replacement therapy, you'll see at the beginning that their cholesterol might go up. Okay, it might go up or it does go up. And that's understanding the biochemistry of it. You say, okay, fine. You know, it's not going to cause them to have a heart attack. I mean, cholesterol, it's the inflammation in the calcium deposit right. that leads to the heart right. attack.
1: So C, something like highly sensitive C-reactive protein and blood uh, pressure and checking arteries, things like that, which sounds like it makes more sense Right. Looking at your and
2: cardiovascular health. It, yeah, the um, a test came out, uh, PLA2, which is an enzyme, came out about eight years ago, approved by the FDA, blocked by the insurance companies, and it was heralded as a standalone marker for your risk for health, for cardiovascular risk, when you look at cholesterol, it's not standalone. Lifestyle, medication, diabetes—all these social or these other um, medical conditions add to uh, the added to the cholesterol gives you a risk factor. But the PLA2 standalone, it works as an enzyme to cleave or break in half another product called small-density LDL. So we now found that low-density lipoprotein, this LDL that's looked at as, oh, bad, it could be all good if it has Mm. large-density LDL in it. So a lot of science is changing out of England. uh, The The, uh, Lancet, which is like our JAMA here, Journal of American Medical Association, uh, they did, or New England Journal of Medicine, Um, they did a review of all the studies from the United States and around the planet relative to cholesterol. And they basically said it has no direct influence on cardiovascular disease. It's the inflammation that happens to be doing it. Also, the, um, what is it, the... general, the head of the Department of Health, you know, they started relaxing our nutrition. Surgeon general?
1: Surgeon general. General. Uh They
2: started relaxing our nutritional stuff. In reality, 85% of all our cholesterol comes from us. It doesn't come from our food. Only 15% comes from our food. And they used to make it sound as though, you know, all our cholesterol comes from our bad eating. So you can only reduce your cholesterol by 15% if you went on water diet. Right. Yeah. So, but we need our cholesterol because it's the precursor to a majority of our hormones, and in the brain, we absolutely need uh, to have cholesterol to be converted into these hormones in the brain called neurosteroids. They're the same hormones in our peripheral, you know, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. But when they're produced in the brain, they function a little bit different than the stuff that seeps in from our body. And cholesterol. Is the precursor. So anything we do to diminish the level of cholesterol will increase the potential for things like dementia di- diseases, right. whether, you know, now,
1: dementia. You, now, couldn't, couldn't one person have, let's say, a lower cholesterol number than another, though, because it's being converted into sex hormones? In other words, they're making enough cholesterol to make sex yep. hormones, and that's why the number is not elevated. It's in a low or yes. what's considered normal range.
2: Absolutely. on the other side, people have come in on statin drugs. I've had people who had across the board all the byproducts of cholesterol, which is not only estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, adrenal hormones like cortisol, but vitamin D right. and CoQ10. So yeah. they have the body aches and they have you know yeah. low uh, bone mineral density and they feel like crap. And I don't have yeah. to put them on any medication. All I do is I say, okay, stop that drug. And in the interim, we'll give you a little clomid to get you through it until you're up to a level. And then we pull you off the clomid and see where you land. Yeah. It's so devastating to ours, our system. And the statin drugs, I mean, oh, my God, it's a whole nother story. It's yeah. black boxed in the PDR, which is the physician def- desk reference or death reference, which right. is <laughs> uh, it can cause irreversible diabetes. Okay. Mm. A lot of medications, what I've been seeing a lot of are people coming in who have been diagnosed as being diabetics. My closest male buddy for 50 years calls me up. Rick calls me up and says, uh, they just diagnosed me as diabetic. I said, send me the labs. I look at the labs. He's got normal insulin elevated blood sugar and elevated hemoglobin A1C, is, which is the marker for how long Mm -hmm. your blood sugar has been elevated. And I said, this makes no sense because in a diabetic, you expect to have someone having low uh, level of insulin or no insulin. And there's another form called um, insulin-resistant diabetes, where the insulin level is sky high because the body can't use it. So the body's churning it out, but it can't recognize it. So, I said to him, this makes no sense. Send me what medications you're on. So he's on three medications. One's a statin. One's a medication, allopurinol, to drop gout, the uric acid. And the third mm-hmm. one is a blood pressure medication. I put it into my stupid computer, and it came back with uh, the fact that each one of them causes blood sugar to rise. And when yeah. the blood sugar rises, right. the hemoglobin A1C rises, but it doesn't influence the insulin, So these people are being called diabetics. When they're not diabetics, they're hyperglycemic from the medication.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, they're causing what is perceived as diabetes in this individual rather than him from his diet and lifestyle causing it.
2: Correct. And I see it quite a bit. And uh, anyway, it's medication has benefits, but there are risks. And those risks, I don't think, are being clearly shared with the uh, consumer.
1: No doubt. Yeah.
2: Anyway, that's the last
1: well, of my pit, tirade let's, on let's pharmaceuticals. <laughs> well, we, can, we can we can probably add more to that in, in the next topic. Let's talk about growth right. hormone a bit. Okay. And how do you okay. determine with growth hormone? How do you determine if exogenous solution is the way to go or your secretagog, your product, second growth? Well,
2: e- even before I use anything. What I do is try to get the body to naturally produce its own. We know that there are nine things that can increase growth hormone production. A group of amino acids like um, L-lysine, alpha-ketoglutarate, uh, glutarate. also things like uh, mucopa a natural product, which is a dopamine uh testosterone increases growth hormone, estradiol increases growth hormone, vitamin D increases growth hormone. You know, so we have all these natural things or when you reestablish the homeostasis, the balance of hormones in the body, we saw in the study that we did 20 to 50% increase in their growth hormone production. So we first start by giving them, you know, if they're deficient in testosterone, we give them the testosterone, which generates estradiol. And when we follow up three months later, we see if they're growth hormone level had been influenced. If it has, and it's at a level that we like, uh, and the patient's comfortable with, no problem. If it doesn't achieve that goal, then we'll add a secretagogue. And in 89% of the secretagogue that we have since 2001, which in 2006 went into physician-only hands, after we had spent about a half a million dollars doing clinical tests in my office and a couple other docs, It went into physicians' hands, and so we have tens of thousands of patients who have been put onto uh, secrotropin where um, we have laboratory before, during, and after if they stopped and wanted to see if they dropped back down. And we had initially between a 20% and 360% increase. Now we have someone who skewed it by getting a 650% increase. His original level was 37 and he came out at 218 in within three months, is it only IGF works-
1: one that, Is it IGF-1 that you're measuring or is it another- We
2: measure IGF-1 and binding protein three, good question. Okay. IGF-1 yeah. and binding th- protein three and the reason is, now that you asked that question, I'll, a little laboratory stuff, growth hormone is produced at 8 at night until 4 in the morning and lasts bound to its protein carrier for about 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes as a half-life. So that's between 8 at night, 4 in the morning. So in the morning when you get your blood t- drawn at 9, 10, 11 in the morning, you, we anticipate the level to be low or low normal. But while growth hormone is being produced, it goes to the liver and turns on 9 other proteins. Uh, one of them, IGF-1, which is the key uh, growth factor that's produced, and then the carrier we talked about, which is a binding protein three. Well, IGF one only has an eight to ten minute half life, so it's gone rapidly. But that's okay. where binding protein three comes in. It has a twenty to twenty four hour half life, and that hooks up to the IGF one. It hooks up to the IGF one and extends its half life to twenty to twenty four hours. So the better marker is the binding protein 3, and we also get the IGF-1. Growth hormone, I mean, in the first time we put people in our head trauma people through a testing, we also include growth hormone because there's a subpopulation of people who have head trauma that interrupts the control of growth hormone, and growth hormone level goes up sky high, IGF-1, 5, 6, 700, and I ask, are you taking growth hormone? They say, no. No it's because they've had head trauma and there are certain medications that do the same thing will stimulate like welbutrin because it has dopaminergic effect will artificially well it'll induce high levels of growth hormone which is great so if you're depressed and on welbutrin you'll get good levels of growth hormone so a lot of people out there if you're you know do you want to get your growth hormones up uh, you know go and get welbutrin but um, well,
1: what's what's welbutrin what is it prescribed for depression
2: it's for depression. It has a, a okay. norepinephrine and a dopinergic effect. So also a medication called amantadine hydrochloride, which is used for, um, originally came out for influenza back in 66 or so, but it turned out in their research that it helped people with Parkinson's disease get better because it was dopamine. It right. stimulated dopamine. So increasing dopamine increases growth hormone production because of the what they call DR2 receptor, dopamine receptor 2, you stimulate, and that's where mucopa comes into play. And, you know, you can buy mucopa in the health food store, mucopa curant. Oh, yeah. Semi my
1: testosterone booster as your, well. I know it's yeah. in your, it's in your Yep.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. It's a key element in it along with the five other amino acids that I have oh, had. I mean, in incredible mood booster.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. It's amazing mood booster. Sleep. It, 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 yes. The key, the key is you have to get the dose right. Some people take too much, and it just causes nervousness and anxiety. You can mm-hmm. have an opposite effect. So I think there's somewhat of a bell curve effect with Macuna. It's not Absolutely. more is better. You, know, you have to yeah, find I the had, lowest dose that's effective for you. Right. I had a doc who came
2: into the program, a urologist. He took uh, the and two sprays, and his partners called me up and said, did you give this guy methamphetamine? He was bouncing off the walls. <laughs> and that's what can happen from dopamine. If you're sensitive, yeah. as you were just saying, so Thank I've seen no it. Doubt. Haven't seen it often, but it's always like, whoa. Or else someone takes the secretropin at night, and they can't sleep. Mm-hmm. So you have to take it much yeah. earlier. Than what yeah. What do you mean?
0: Yeah. What happened? <laughs> what happened? I was that. Yeah, I was that guy a little bit. There. You were that um, guy.
2: You never told yeah. me.
0: Jeez. <laughs> Nothing with you, you in my report. Justice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did talk about it. I, you know, briefly, we talked about that, and I was like, okay, I need to take it a little bit earlier because I was taking it yeah. right before I went to sleep, and then I was yeah. like, and but then probably about a probably about a week or two after that, I started like just getting to the point where it's like, okay, I I'm up, and but but one thing about it I was I was want to be very productive at that time, so I was like, well, right. I got a lot of work done during that time, and then by the time I was done, my brain was just so tired. It's like, okay, and I had like a solid sleep. The sleep was ridiculous. So right. I was thinking, like, hey, it's supposed to be this way. And I think we had mentioned this before when we first started talking about it. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to start taking it a little bit earlier. Because at that point, yeah. I was tired of staying up that late. I actually wanted to go to bed earlier. So, right. Because I'm, al- I'm already nocturnal as it is. So I was like, okay, this is having the opposite effect of what I'm trying to accomplish here. So, come, come you know, so I'm trying to get away from going to sleep at 3 and 4 in the morning. I actually wanted to bump it up, at least, <laughs> bump it back at like 1 o'clock, maybe at least 1 o'clock. You You must be
2: by yourself. You must be uh, sleeping by yourself.
0: Well, I mean, uh, my wife is sleeping by herself because I'm up. <laughs> <So> I, <don't-> <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> you no, know, Like we're we're the opposite, man. Like trust me. By the time she comes in, like she's turning to like she's turning to my grandmother now. So around like nine or ten o'clock, she's just like I'm. I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> you know, but but she's up a lot earlier than I am. I, I've never right. been the person that could get up and function at five or six in the morning. I, that never made sense to me. I'm like, what are people doing? So anytime I have right. to get to a court, not to be up at like seven in the morning. I see traffic. I'm like, why are these people <laughs> up at the same time doing things? This is like this is not normal, man. So and it, never, you know, it never it never made sense
1: to me uh, to go to sleep at ten o'clock. I mean that's when the exactly, fun starts man. It's like exactly, you guys are going to bed like that's when a concert starts. That's when people start
0: going exactly. out. <laughs> I mean, so like, you know, coming from the, you know, me coming from the entertainment industry, that damn sure didn't make sense to me. I'm like, do you understand that back in the day, my job didn't end until like two or three in the morning? So I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. it was just at ten o'clock. I'm just kind of sitting there, like waiting for people to get there. So yeah, man. So it, I guess that's just been ingrained to in me. But yeah, going to sleep that early just does. I can't function even if I Doesn't fall asleep work. early. I'm so jacked up, man. By that time, it's like it's like if I fall asleep just for some reason at like ten o'clock. I even if I get like eight hours, I'm I'm just out of it. My body's like, yeah. no, but I can sit there and fall asleep at one, wake up at like, I don't know, eight or whatever. I'm good. Nine or I'm good. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's just and it's been like that for years. But yeah, I kind of like I said, I I kind of figured it out. I think last time we talked about the secret trope and it's like, OK, let me take it just a little bit earlier. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I sleep about late. You sleep how many hours then? What do you
0: need? Oh, no. So oh, yeah, you wake absolutely. up in the morning. Long as I get at least six, I'm good. You know. I, when I get, I can't get more than eight because then I feel a little bit off unless it's just something I've done that's really, really strenuous. And my body just says, hey, today we're going to sleep nine hours and you're not going to have a damn thing to say about it. <laughs> and, you know, and right. I, let, I let my body, I let my body do what it does. I don't sit there and try to control it. I don't sit there and like, OK, I got to set my alarm to go to bed at 10 o'clock because I know that won't work. And in fact, that's going to make me want to stay up just out of rebellion. <laughs> it's just like it's, the little six year old in me is going to be like, no, you're not making me go to sleep at 10 o'clock. It's just not happening. If, Which, and it but you wake up feeling good. good. All you the time. That's the good. thing about it. Yeah. That's, that's how I measure it. How do I feel yeah. when I wake up? And, you know, whether it's five hours, seven hours, eight hours, like, how do I feel when I wake up? So, and that's just the thing. And I think a lot of people, they, they get caught up in this, well, you're supposed to get eight hours and you're supposed to go to sleep at this time. And growth hormone only works at this time. And if you're not asleep between 10 and 2, you know, your growth hormone is not going to work. And da-da-da-da-da-da. i am like, where are
2: you going?" Or increase part? in heart attacks, and they talking about? Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. I do about... Four to five hours on the average uh,
0: sleep. I used to be that way. way.
2: Yeah, I wake up, you know, you're you're dealing with someone who had maybe four and a half hours, five hours sleep last night. If you dealt with me on Thursday of last week, Friday, Saturday, I was having like three to four hours a night sleep. But the benefit of having healthy levels of testosterone and healthy levels of um, growth hormone in an article that came out recently they actually looked at people who had um low uh to st- a low growth hormone and they all had 61% of them had what was called atypical depression where they had a yeah. form of depression that could not be treated with medication and when they put them on to the growth hormone within 1 to 2 months the depression disappeared and as a side effect of being on the growth hormone this bad side effects of being on growth hormone they slept phenomenally well they had better mental energy they had better social interaction uh, their stress scores dropped you know as side effects so it could be the fact of sleep. So growth hormone in my lectures or in my perception of growth hormone, which I impart in lectures, is the most important hormone of all the hormones we take. And we found that growth hormone regulates the kidneys and vitamin D, regulates the conversion of thyroid in our peripheral blood from inactive T4 to active T3. It helps with muscle and testosterone together. That, those two together are the key, absolute yeah. key.
1: Now, is it possible to have high IGF one levels but not have high growth hormone levels?
2: Um, the well, if you test it in the morning, we expect to find growth hormone levels to be low, and the IGF one. If the liver is a nice, clean liver, uh, you can and genetically uh, fosters the production of IGF-1, yes, you can have that. You can have low growth hormone, and you can have high levels of IGF-1, and you'd also like to see high levels or healthy levels of binding protein 3. And people who have high levels of growth hormone, but low levels of IGF-1 or binding protein 3, they have a syndrome called Lerone syndrome, where they don't have the receptors to uh, interact with the growth hormone. And then we've had patients who have had Good level of growth hormone, good level of uh, BP3, binding protein 3, but poor levels of uh, IGF 1. And when you do an ultrasound of the liver, I ended up buying an ultrasound. Uh, they have, um, I had one patient with a tumor, but the majority have things like uh, fatty degeneration of the liver you go and you look at their history they love drinking or they used to do a lot of drugs in the past so the right. liver and or medication for also medication certain medications will alter the entire functioning of the liver so it can influence growth hormone when it hits the liver its ability to produce those nine proteins and you know it's as simple as grapefruit juice you know there's a whole there are a grouping of blood pressure and heart medication where your doctor should tell you not to take grapefruit juice natural thing it alters the metabolism of a whole grouping of medication and it can cause some of them to become toxic or others to become reduced if you just go to google and put in you know what medications are affected by grapefruit juice Question mark, and they'll give you a whole bunch of websites. You can go in, you know, medical ones that, uh, Medscape or, uh, whatever's there, and give you a listing of, uh, the drugs. So something as simple as, uh, grapefruit juice. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah,
1: that used to yeah. be added yeah. to fat burners. It used to be added to fat burners, yeah. grapefruit extracts, grapefruit juice. absorption. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's some that it makes them much
2: higher. It's like a liposome. That's what they do. They increase the, right availability of absorptive availability so that's cool stuff.
1: Now what about exercise and growth hormone because I think uh-huh. I mean I'm all about exercise and the benefits of exercise but I think it's often overstated that high intensity exercise will get you to optimal growth hormone levels so if you do sprinting a couple times a week isn't it isn't it fair to say that the growth hormone increase from exercise is pretty short-lived You're not really going to go from a low-growth hormone level Mm, most of the time to an optimal level just from exercising.
2: Correct. You know, high-impact aerobics, uh, low-fat intake, low-sugar intake, good water intake, um, good nutrition um, will cause, when you're doing the activity, will cause a spike. You can get daytime spikes of growth hormone, but they're not sustainable. They're not sustained. And also, in some of the articles trying to refute and you're not going to like this, refute the fact that exercise increases testosterone. What they're trying to say in some of these articles, it's dehydration from your exercise that makes the, the blood concentrated so it appears to be higher. So yeah. I'm looking through no, I, actually, I actually think,
1: I've actually always stated the opposite. I say really hard training individuals often have low testosterone as a result of their intense training. Because they use it. So I, yeah, exactly. They're using it. Right. So I, I don't look. At, I don't look at exercise as a way to increase testosterone. I think it's important to have optimal testosterone to get the most out of your exercise. Not use exercise mm-hmm. to increase the testosterone. You need to have Absolutely. optimal levels to benefit from exercise to get stronger. Not use exercise. You're not going to find some guy with bottom level testosterone levels and you put them on a good regimen. I mean, a good workout regimen, all of a sudden, he's at an optimal range. If anything, he's not going to get any benefit out of that exercise. It's going to deplete Mm -hmm. him further.
2: Yeah. And one of the side effects that I'm seeing in our protocol, and you have to understand that we use physiological dosing of uh, testosterone. We maintain within the guidelines, you know, the reference ranges, the level of testosterone. We have guys that complain about lack of energy. I thought I'd be on testosterone and have all the energy to spend. And it's because because of the increase of um, testosterone increases, as we talked about earlier, the flow of sugar into the muscles to make glycogen as you're doing activities. So if you're not keeping up with your nutritional intake while you're raising your physical activity, the side effect, the most common side effect is fatigue, where you just can't build the muscle. But I've had... um, uh, you remember the name, uh, the zipper? I don't think so. Red haired bodybuilder, Mr. America, yeah, uh, Mike Sable. Uh, Mike Sable once sent me a, a kid who, uh, was working out with him, you know, he was the trainer, and six months he could not lift any heavier weight than where he started at 15 pounds, 20 pounds, and he couldn't generate any muscle. He was like 23 years of age, Nate. And um, we run a test. Well, ask his history. When he was young, he had uh, testicle removed. So he wasn't producing testosterone. And we put him on to a low dose testosterone. And within a year, the guy, you didn't recognize him. Not only did his body uh, increase in muscle mass, but he became a assertive, confident, um, competitive. So, you know, testosterone is unbelievable. Unbelievable oh, yeah.
1: benefits. You know, yeah. The ultimate antidepressant. I always say you can't oh, yeah. it's it's hard to feel depressed when your testosterone is optimal and it's hard not to be depressed when your testosterone is depleted. Right.
2: Right. And how many articles do you think have been published in the medical journals talking about um, the association between uh, testosterone deficiency and depression? Zero. You think zero there haven't been. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they don't, they don't think there's my... any
1: conne- they don't think there's any connection from most doctors I've spoken to that are not okay. well researched in hormone optimization.
2: Well, this morning there are now are 128,000 articles that are bullying you know, boolean logic uh, dip- articles only that have depression and testosterone. 128,000. Okay.
0: How many do you think for thyroid? I don't know. I was I was I was I was I was probably six times as much because yeah. you know every time, every time make, you go to your doctor, the first thing we'll do is let's check your thyroid, and then your thyroid, and your thyroid. I'm like, dude. Uh huh.
2: <laughs> like, well, it's 403,000 articles. Okay. okay. And on and on and on. The point is that uh, I did a presentation on hormones and depression to a group of, you know, traditional doctors and um, it was like in disbelief that there were that many. I asked someone to pick someone out in the crowd, how many articles about depression and thyroid? 15. How many on testosterone? Oh, three. How many on estrogen? And it's very low numbers and then I click the the button and it starts filling in the numbers on uh, the relationship between depression and hormone deficiency. So we, we need to go and look at these hormones. You know, Robin Williams had a 13-hour, a 13-and-a-half-hour uh, cardiac um, surgery for correcting some things. And hmm. he wakes up, and he's depressed. And he's already depressed, and it made it worse, and they didn't compensate for it. Well, surgery and depression uh, is a known factor in cardiovascular surgery, Um, In fact, I just pulled up uh, 2.3 million articles of the relationship between surgery and depression, and it's mostly in cardiovascular surgery, you know, the coronary Mm -hmm. artery bypass surgery. So we've missed an incredible array of causative factors for the hormonal deficiency that precipitates the change in personality, the mood changes. You know, that's the focus of what I do in my practice, uh, why I see people coming in with PTSD, whether they're military or not, I don't have a, a great love for the term because I think yeah. it's a misnomer. I think that the hormonal deficiency is what leads to the complex that we're calling uh, PTSD. And if you look at the overlap of symptoms between PTSD and TBI traumatic brain injury, the majority of the symptoms are under traumatic brain injury.
1: I mean, you could even say the same thing about stress, right? Oh, you need to lower your stress. Correct. And that's mm-hmm. that's probably true in a lot of cases, right? But another response could be you need to improve your stress reserves, you need to optimize your hormonal profile, because then those Absolutely. things that you thought were stressful, you can crush now. I mean, if you want to be successful, right. you have to deal with stress. So it's telling someone, oh, you got to avoid stress, it's like, well... All the things that means I can't work out. That means I can't right. work on my business. I mean, this I, if can't I try to sex. avoid
0: things. To <laughs> you can't get out of bed. Yeah. Exactly. You just got to lie there,
1: man. You got to, yeah,
2: it, so, gotta, I, yeah because you, they've done studies. Stuff.
1: People because who are you laying in bed, you can't, you can't hit. You can't hit the bed. You know, as often as you want <laughs> to. <laughs> uh,
2: sorry, so I, I, I think.
1: I mean, I think you should try to get rid of unnecessary stresses, such as if you have a job you hate, quit that job, go do something you like. If you're in a relationship that's destructive, get out of it. I'm not saying that you should optimize your hormones so that you can handle those things or handle them effectively as and you get rid of those things. But a lot of times people are stressed because they're in such a depleted state. Their adrenal hormones are gone. Their testosterone right. zilch. They're, I mean, they're just they're they're living off of caffeine and energy drinks. They're not sleeping as a result of that. So you're in such a depleted state. Anything's going to be stressful at that point. Yeah,
2: and and that stress hormone cortisol, what stimulates from you know ACTH, the one that really does it is uh, is releasing hormone CRH produced by an area of the brain that is the sensor for it. They found that it drops luteinizing hormone, so you can't make testosterone and estrogen. It drops growth hormone, so you can't make growth hormone, and it drops. Um, the third one is thyroid hormone, TSH, thyroid hormone. So from stress, you can interrupt three very key hormones that have over a half a million articles relating their... Uh, under a million articles relating their deficiency to depression. And that's what yeah. happens in surgery. It shuts off those three right. hormones, and that's why you know people are depressed. Cardiovascular yes. sur- uh, literature talks about it. Anyway.
1: I mean, anything to do that's, with a hospital is going to be stressful, right? Your surgery, <laughs> right? your waking up in a hospital. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's one Kill stress, it's one stress after another. You know? Yeah.
2: You, you're doing open-heart surgery on me uh, so I can live longer? When I get the bill, I'm going to drop dead of a heart
1: attack, you know? <laughs>
2: that's why you people gotta get your go your out like the
1: You've got to get your heart yeah, healthy exactly. so you can handle seeing that bill. <laughs> you know what I exactly- what, what about that's growth hormone lowering? Yeah. What about growth hormone lowering TSH? I've seen some. I don't know if it's, if it's research, but there's been some thought that elevated growth hormone has a negative impact on thyroid.
2: Well, that's a great uh, entry point. What has actually been found is growth hormone increases the conversion of T4, which is the major thyroid hormone produced by the thyroid gland. It accelerates its conversion to T3, which is the active form of thyroid hormone. And what happens is as T4 converts to T3, it drops down. And when it drops below a certain point, it stimulates the brain to make more TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone. And what, what actually happens is you can disclose a head trauma Or the effect of a head trauma on the thyroid regulatory mechanism. So if you have low growth hormone and normal appearing thyroid hormones and you give growth hormone, what it can do is expose the presence of a brain-based thyroid deficiency because the TSH doesn't go up. T4 drops and TSH doesn't go up. So... It's, you know, one of the uh, group of articles that I presented in my growth hormone uh, presentation. But, um, yeah, as I said, growth hormone influences every hormone in the body.
1: I wonder if that explains the fat-burning effects of growth hormone, or at least partially. Um,
2: Growth hormone has a direct effect on the, you know, at nighttime, growth hormone is produced. And at nighttime, in people who are uh, obese and have low growth hormone level, there's a marker called n non-estified free fatty acid. It's the marker that our body is stripping off fat to use as fuel when we sleep. You know, when we call it sleep, we're hibernating. And when right. you wake up, it goes back up. So what they found in the study is that if you're deficient in growth hormone, you won't cannibalize the body fat, so you won't get those good sleep and get the brain repair and drop your body fat. But when you give growth hormone replacement, the level of this non-estified free fatty acid goes up and you get fed while you're sleeping. So in treatment of people, growth hormone in the morning seems to be preferencing muscle. Growth hormone at night has a thermogenic effect, as you stated. And this is the mechanism that you can test it. So, you know, people who get onto growth hormone, instead of having huge doses in the morning, they should split their doses up in the morning and evening because you get that cutting effect uh, from growth hormone, which is illegal to use growth hormone for. You can't use growth hormone for cutting, you know, in the medical circles.
1: Yeah. So you have to... (laughs) So you have to just go out on a bender the night before you go to go see your doctor, you know, just, <laughs> and really get your growth hormone depleted. Stay a up little, all night. You know? yeah. <laughs> so I look, to, look, say, doc, I've got I've got no growth hormone. I need a prescription.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, in the state of California, <laughs> uh,
2: because of a Dr. Chen, and most people don't know this, um, in the state of California, Dr. Chen out of um, Palm Springs had a major battle uh, with the medical. Uh, board in California and with just the medical organization and ends up winning this incredible uh, superior court um, decree. He set precedents where if you're a physician, a treating physician in good standing, and you find that uh, a patient's level of growth hormone is low enough for you to perceive it influencing their quality of health, you can dispense it. In the 49 other states, you have to put people through either an insulin challenge test or a glucagon yeah. test or, for kids, a clonidine. And I still do the uh, glucagon ch- test because I don't want anyone, you know, coming after me and saying, oh, we were just kidding about that little hole in that law, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, you know, I just play it as safe as I possibly can. Uh, not that I break any rules, but uh, I want the best for my patients. Right, right. You know. And when you're dealing with what I do with so many veterans who are coming back, you know, it's 154 suicides a, uh, a week in the veteran mm. population. In Montana, it's one every 36 hours. I had a group wow. of, uh, of uh, docs and uh, administrative people from the government in uh, uh, Montana come to, my pro- or to the program I participated in, and they were telling me these stats, and I'm going, no way because Montana has the highest amount of veterans. 15% of all veterans tend to go to Montana. It's 103,000 people at present, but they're losing Hmm. one every 36 hours. And in the military, they're losing about one a day. In the active military, about one a day. But the stats have been sort of like not filtering out to the civilian population. So we're still working on 2012 numbers. But in one of my classes, a private class that I give to doctors on traumatic brain injury and so forth and hormones uh, was a psychiatrist who works at the one of the medical uh, large medical centers. And when I said, you know, 22 people a day uh, in all military are dying, she's raised uh, in veterans. She raised her hand and said, those numbers are old. It's more like 40 to 44 a day.
1: You know, so it's just a shame that every person coming from a, who served overseas or really anywhere should be going through a hormonal profile and evaluating uh, all these numbers.
2: But they're not. They're, they're starting to get, you know, look at it. We've had the Navy SEALs Foundation has uh, funded us after they started seeing the results. We've got another um, organization that is looking at funding us um, for the veterans because they're getting better. You know, they're getting better. They're able to go back to school. We've got guys have gone back to MIT, to Harvard, not MIT. Yeah, MIT, Harvard, uh, University of South Texas, finished their MBA, finished their sociology where they walked out or attempted school five times. They get on treatment, which is hormone replenishment, which improves their yeah. cognitive ability, the ability to read, remember, recall, take exams, and deal with stress, as we just right. talked about. Right, And it's that's my reward for the 33 years I put into medicine. Is instead of practicing illness medicine, practicing wellness medicine, and seeing these guys who come in. You know, you can go to uh, three of the Joe Rogan shows and see and uh, two of them of oh, yeah. uh, the three, and you can see as you've done, guys talking about their experience and getting off of 16 medications, 13 medications. They've all attempted suicide or very close to it. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have such a, a mental health problem in America in general that imagine how many people you could help by having everyone go through this kind of testing as just part I, of their I, yearly exam. Yeah,
2: I'd, I'd like to see that happen. That's why we've trained so far uh, specifically for our protocols, um, inclusive of this past weekend, about 350 docs spread out through the United States, uh, Brazil, uh, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, who uh, will um, implement the treatment. Uh, you know, we, we have uh, Matthew Gosney, who is on the second Joe Rogan of 574, uh, who is on 80 milligrams of OxyContin a day, 240 milligrams of um, morphine sulfate a day, and then a whole bunch of, you know, 14 other pills. Six weeks later, he's only taking two. And he didn't go through withdrawals from the medication because the influence of the protocol that we use and its influence on the brain and it's stopping uh, withdrawal or the withdrawal and they don't have withdrawal. It was new to me, you know, almost three years ago. And I had to go back and look at the literature to see why it was happening. But it was a consistent occurrence. You know Andrew, who was uh, on your show before, uh, the oh, Green yeah. Beret partner I have, he was on thirteen medications and full blown alcoholic, and within a short period of time, he's off all his stuff, living a yeah, productive the, life.
1: It's amazing to talk to him now because you can't imagine that he was in that state. He, Absolutely, positive driven guy now. Oh yeah. And that's what we see from a
2: large, you know, large population. Not everybody does 100% or, according to Andrew, he's 110% better. You know, we've yeah. got our 80s, 90s, and 60s, and 50s better. But our statistics are 91% of the guys we've treated have 50% improvement in 90 days. And the overall improvement is about uh, almost 65% over the course of uh, almost 200 guys that we've put through the program. And this has become our uh, nidus of uh, cases to show to other military organizations uh, because we've been paying for it ourselves. I, you know, donate half my revenue to help the veterans and we've had patients donate $180,000, one guy, $10,000 from our lab and $20,000 a year from uh, our supplier peer encapsulations, which is, is nice because you get to see a smiling face in, you know, ninety days, if not sooner, where they're feeling better. So, that's my reward in what I'm doing, seeing their smiles, and I got a bottle of Gentleman Jack uh, sent to me as a gift. <laughs> a <big> yeah, gift. <laughs> Gentleman Jack.
1: Yeah. Well, good thing you're on. Good thing you take Secrotropin because your GH levels are going to plummet. <laughs> Uh, Once you down absolutely. that bottle,
2: <laughs> it's sitting on my shelf. So the guy well, who gave it to me, we can sit down and well, what, enjoy what it. Do you, what enjoy. do you
1: What do you think about alcohol? And the, what do you think about alcohol and its effects on growth hormone? Because Dr. Terry Hurtas said that just one drink even can lower growth hormone by Correct. up to seventy percent. Right. That, I was um, astounded when I saw that one drink can lower growth hormone by up to 70%. Now, up to. That doesn't mean it happens to everyone at every time. Correct. But just the fact that moderate drinking can have such a negative impact on growth hormone and testosterone and so forth. What do you think about well, drinking in general? Should, be, should it I be avoided?
2: It. I No, I enjoy it, um, but in moderation, and that's really the right. key point. Moderation, I had you know, some special ops guys uh, in the program this past weekend. And we went through in three days, two bottles of scotch. And my growth hormone levels this morning were perfect. <laughs> and you're right. It's genetic variation, genetic variability. Yeah. It's, right. you know, how much right. it influences. But I will take taking all that stuff out. Uh, alcohol has a devastating effect on blood sugar, insulin level, brain chemistry, yeah. liver functioning, you know it has across the board so moderation you know i don't want to become a nun
1: <laughs> that's a good point that's a good yeah. point too you can take these things to such an extreme you're not enjoying anything yeah. anymore you have such a paranoia also and no go ahead go ahead court-
2: cortisol goes up when you when you stop drinking cortisol goes up you know you kick back you have a beer you have a brewski you have a glass of wine you're just sitting there you know outside watching the sunset or watching the sunrise yeah. or as i did this morning at 5:30 watching the dog take a dump out in the backyard three times <laughs> you know sipping my coffee you know so yeah, well, I mean,
1: it's coffee's the other one, room. right? There's, there's, there's been some research connecting coffee to lowering growth hormone to lowering testosterone. Well, what do you think about uh, coffee? Is, is it due to the adrenal axis? What's your take on uh, caffeine? It could be adrenal.
2: Assume? It could be It's just look at caffeine. It accelerates, you know, metabolism. So is it right. the fact that you're ranking, you know, you're ratcheting your metabolism up and therefore you just naturally burn things, you know, at a higher rate? You know about um, 7-keto DHEA? Uh Uh-huh, sure. Immune-stimulator and thermogenics. You take that, it'll increase the metabolism of the liver. Right. Grapefruit juice increases the metabolism of certain medication by upregulating the enzyme system called P450, and that's how it uh, influences. So if you have a sensitive system, that's why I figured if I drink a little bit every day or every other day or every fifth day, that my body would get tolerant to it. So my, well, that, that's, that that's, drop. that's
1: what's, that's what's happened with growth with marijuana, right? We had Jerry Brainamon, he talked about with marijuana, if you use it infrequently, that can have, it can lower growth hormone and testosterone by quite a bit. Right. I mean, it comes back after a couple of days, but for a couple of days, you'll be depleted. But if you take it every day, your body adapts and it doesn't have any Correct. negative impact. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so my take-home going. message from that is, so now so now my take-home message from that smoke is. Smoke every
2: day? It, yeah, I use it every day.
1: <laughs> no, no, before, before, I used to be an infrequent marijuana user. After reading that research, I was like, well, shit, for my health, I better start using it every day. I don't want to to negatively affect yeah, my training. As <laughs> long as
2: you preface your first hit by saying, for my health or to your yeah, health. Exactly. And you hand it uh, to I your do, partner.
1: I, I, do, I, do, I do edibles. <laughs> I don't smoke it. I do edibles. Take a little liquid, put it in a put it in a little soda at night, there you go. It's like an alternative to an alcoholic beverage.
2: What do you think about CPD oil?
1: I think it's great. Cannabidiol. I think it has great yeah. impact on lowering inflammation. It's got some neuroprotective effects. It's not psychoactive right. for people who right. don't want to get the high. Yeah, I think I think right. as more research comes out on it, it's it's more and more compelling. Yeah, I mean, have a lot it was, of people
0: pretending. It, in. it was interesting, I saw You're a video. I saw a guy, he had posted a video. His dog had seizures a lot. And um, and pretty much he wanted to record, you know, the next time his dog had a seizure. So the dog was having a seizure, and then the guy rubbed a little bit of CBD oil, you know, on the dog's, you know, gums. And the dog licked it or whatever, and then, like, the seizures just stopped and just, <laughs> yeah, just you know, the dog, was just, and the, dog was, the dog was just looking like, okay, what the hell just happened? <laughs> you know, and, and, and the dog was Where do you rub different. it? Where do you rub I mean, the stuff? He put a little bit on his fingers, and he just rubbed a little bit, like, on the dog's gums. So the, dog, the gums. You know, would end, Yeah, so the dog would, you know, end up licking it lick while he was having the season. Yeah. He so should put then, it on you know, the dog's balls. Don't they usually do that? <laughs> well, I, well, he wasn't freaking out, like, going, trying to, like, give himself, like, you know, yeah, a most, ball
1: most job. Of, or, most, <laughs> most of us don't want to rub our dog's balls. <laughs> That's not going to be our and not medicinal. Be our it's worse than that. Our dogs lick their
0: balls enough as it is. We don't want to encourage them to keep licking them. I mean, just come Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's well, yeah. why I
2: guess my kids got the female dogs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, they, they have, yeah. they, have cannabidiol, they have cannabidiol for dogs for anxiety, dogs that have separation anxiety, dogs that are just stressed. There's capsules or little pouches you can put in their food, so it's it's starting to show up in that arena as well. I think I think cannabidiol is interesting. I think now that we have more and more recreational marijuana, what's happening is that more and more research is going into the medical side as well. And a lot of of the stereotypes people have about marijuana are totally erroneous. If you go to any dispensary in Vegas, the variety of people you see in there is really interesting. Old people, young people, fat people, thin people, athletic people, people that clearly that are looking for recreational to go party. But a lot of people are in there because they have some kind of pain Mm -hmm. they want to address and they found it to be really effective as opposed to using opioids or Vicodin or something along those lines. Uh Uh-huh. Some people have social anxiety that helps with that. Some people, it's just just a myriad of different purposes, uses.
2: Well, I I know from a a program that in Israel, they're using uh, Delta 9 for lung cancer and from cancer research at the University of, uh, I think it was Haifa. And, uh, you know, so I, I think what you said is very Clear that now that it's decriminalized, there'll be more companies looking at functionality or potential benefits of it. And Israel, they were doing it. I forgot who it was. I uh, Sinjay Gupta, I think it was yeah. who did the. Yeah. He, wasn't it? He did, he did it on marijuana. Some some program. Yeah, I caught the that was right. that I was caught, pretty recent. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, and that's yeah, what that was most it. incredible. You know that weed on the uh, helping the lungs for uh, cancer.
1: I mean, those of us who grew up during the Just Say No campaign, you know, we have all these misconceptions about marijuana. Even though I was talking to some people at the dog park the other day, and they're like, oh, this is terrible. It's going to increase crime in Vegas. It's a gateway drug. And I was like, do you people drink alcohol? They're like, yeah. I go, well, what's the difference? They're like, oh, that's a terrible argument. I was like, no, it's not a terrible argument. It's an accurate argument because (laughs) you're saying that one is socially acceptable, one isn't. But you're saying that alcohol somehow is not a drug and it doesn't have negative impact. It clearly does when when used (laughs)
0: excessively. Exactly. They had that same argument between, what, 1918 and 1933 about alcohol. Right. You know, the fact that you're not having that argument is because your ass wasn't alive to live through all that. (laughs) You know, so now you realize if you were back, if you were around back then, you can realize just how silly that argument is. And if anything, it's just. When you deregulate all the stuff, then you actually see the crime go down because now the one's not necessarily trying to go out and knock someone in the head to get these things that you try to keep away from them. You know, that's it right. Becomes that, yeah. It becomes that libertarian argument, like you know what, just just make all drugs legal and then watch the crime go down when you when it's when people have access to these things. And you know, of course, when you kind of get past the whole moral thing of it, most people think like, oh, that's 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 crazy. Why would you do that? Well, I mean, come on, you've got opioids that are being prescribed and look how that's affecting everybody you know so but that's okay because what your doctor prescribed it to you that's okay whereas you know you can't you shouldn't legalize cocaine crack or whatever else <laughs> you know whatever else like you know just because you've been told that's not right <laughs> you know instead of just really looking into it so I mean, it's always amusing
1: dark. to me the people who drink and a lot of these people are alcoholics and they don't even realize that they have three or four drinks every night you're a fucking
0: alcoholic <laughs> Right. <laughs> right? Fucking
1: night. You got to have three or four drinks. Who are you kidding? Like, the same thing can be said about, It can
0: yeah. be said about cigarettes. It's just like, come on. It's just like, but yet, yeah. you know, people still right. smoke. Shouldn't that be banned? I mean, we know, you know, the correlation between that and cancer and lung cancer. cancer and all these other, yeah, and, and mouth cancer, all these different things. But yet, right. no one's outraged by tobacco.
1: And, know, then, then, then and then, It's also, it's also bad for non-smokers. You're getting all the exactly. secondhand smoke. So, it's not, you're exactly. not just doing something that's bad for you. It's affecting people around you as well.
0: Yet so it's should, legal. Should, yeah, should you Shouldn't you, shouldn't you be uh, responsible if this person's got cancer from the side smoke? Should you? You know, no, that's just that's preposterous. You know, they, you know, they could have, they, yeah. they could have walked away. They, and, they had a choice. <laughs> like, do oh. either, do either of you know? How many
2: people? I don't know the answer. That's why I'm asking. How many people die a year from smoking weed versus how many people die None. a year from alcohol? I don't think anyone's from from ever died, died. Period.
1: From yeah, smoking, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think there's, there's. I don't think there's one related death to marijuana that can be that can be determined to be the primary cause.
0: Yeah, I've, I, don't think I would tell people. Alcohol, I mean, anyone, there's
1: thousands. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I've never seen anyone like smoke a bag of weed and then go up and shoot up a Safeway, you know, or, <laughs> you know, or, or drive down, you know, a road and just like, you know, kill someone. And, you know, if anything, they're driving or, too bad arches, slow. arches are, <laughs> or
1: overdose or overdose, yeah, right?
0: It's like, it's something. Yeah, I've never heard so of alcohol, po- alcohol poisoning.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, alcohol yeah. poisoning happens. People die from that. I've never there heard d- of anyone. You're in Vegas, right? From Who's in, yeah, yeah. Michael, I'm in Mike's Vegas. In,
2: yeah. Mike's yeah. in Vegas. So, right. uh some my bud said, "Oh, no, it was Colorado, sorry." Was saying that um, California is using certain parameters that came out of Colorado when they went to uh, recreational marijuana. Where uh-huh. they're limiting the concentration of THC because they saw an increase, an uptick in people going to the emergency room with paranoia from smoking, you know, weed. That's really uh, that, 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 that I can believe. Oh, yeah, okay. that, that okay. I can
1: believe. And, and that's the case here as well. Recreational is a much lower dosage. Honestly, though, it's high enough, man. I mean, I, I don't understand why someone. The the medical side can go up to 100 milligrams per dose, which to me is ridiculously high. I can understand. I could see someone being really paranoid and out of it taking that much. That's a really high dosage. Now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't. For for medical purposes, and maybe you've discussed with your physician, that's an appropriate dose for you. That's fine. But someone using it recreationally, that that would be a lot to take. I mean, the average recreational dose is 5 to 10 milligrams. And 10 milligrams is pretty potent. So someone taking a hundred or more, I could I could see that being a problem
0: where you get the paranoia and other side at, effects. Right. You know, on the flip side, I'm looking at I'm looking at somebody just online right now, just saying like um, after legalization of marijuana, how like car accidents and traffic fatalities, all this they, they fail in these states where it's been legalized. So, but again. You know, I mean, people need to worry about, and and, worry about texting
1: and driving, all right? That's no, what I see causing accidents around exactly. town. Every day no, I see know, some idiot texting and driving.
0: But, you know, you don't want to ban that because, you know, you, that's, everyone has a cell phone. You need your cell phone and, you know, it'd be just crazy. You know, and the fact that, the, you know, I even hear people say, oh, I can't believe that they made a law where you can't, you know, text and drive. Really? Did you see what you just said? Did you see what you just said? Yeah, I mean, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, yeah, that's what the drunk driver says too, you know. But yet, and still, if they said that. We think they're stupid and they're foolish for thinking that. So it's, it's just, yeah. again, if it's not when it's affecting them, then it becomes, you know, like, oh, that's preposterous, you know. But then, if it's not affecting them, you know, if it's not something they participate in, it's like, well, come on, man, it should be that should be illegal. <laughs> so it's just it,
2: everybody. It, Yeah, it will be. Anyway, gentlemen, I've got uh, patients now coming into the office at 2.
1: Okay.
2: I can't believe uh, two hours (laughs) have gone by. Oh
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah, it's a good place to wrap up. Thank you again.
1: Great information as always.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah. Hey, it's always a pleasure talking with you two guys. Um, You know, you make me see a different um, view of everything that I'm doing as well as the input on things that I can do better a better understanding of, uh, you know, how to make this work for more people, really. And uh, I thank you for the opportunity to share with your uh, your family out there in uh, yeah, listening land. Thank you. Land. Thank you. Anything, you'd, li- anything you know,
1: you'd like to plug, Dr. Gordon? Anything you have coming up?
2: Well, the, uh, to plug, no. Um, the only issue is, uh, or the only uh, thing that I say is, you know, our new website, Uh, for the products that we've placed on it for uh, helping us with our veterans program is the www.dhpusa.com, which has the uh, Dynatropin and the uh, Clear Mind and Energy. And then we have two new products coming out next year for treating adolescents with uh, traumatic brain injury because I don't see anyone under 18, I've had a lot of people over the years, you know, uh, come to me and say I've got a you know nine-year-old who's now doing poorly in school, a thirteen-year-old, whatever, and I send them to their endocrinologist, and if I can, I'll look at the overlook the laboratory results, and um, you know, there's so much information about the benefits of alpha-lipoic acid, about omegas, about Mm -hmm. NAC, N-acil-cysteine, of vitamin E. There are some natural things. So we've been using it in our adult population, so I just pared it down for children who are less than 100 pounds, 45 kilos, 100 pounds, and that'll be coming out next year. But all the funding uh, goes or all the profits go into our fund to treat our veterans who... uh, need to come back to a healthier state of mind, and that's what we're doing. That's what Andrew and I are doing, and you guys have been very helpful at that. So thank you again. I appreciate Our it. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. All right, yeah, guys.
0: Thank you. And Thanks keep again. laughing.
2: I love the positive energy, okay?
0: <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> All right.
2: If you need anything, Thanks you know goodbye. where to get me. I'm here for Alrighty. you. Thanks, Dr.
1: Gordon. Right. Appreciate it. Right. Bye, guys.
2: Ciao. Take Bye-bye. care.
1: All right. Another great episode with Dr. Gordon. Make sure you support him and make sure you support us. You know what to do. Become a Patreon supporter. Go to our websites. Use that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off products and services. And, and take the Mike Mahler review challenge. Take that <laughs> yeah. review
0: challenge. Yeah, yeah, so I get you right. on the last episode with Andrew Derny at. So, you know, look yeah, at challenge. If you yeah. haven't episode, you need to go back and listen to it, man. And, um, yeah, take that challenge. Get, get those reviews in there. Mike's got some for you, at least for the first 20
1: yeah, exactly. Let's get those reviews going on iTunes and Stitcher. and also enjoy these free episodes while they last because they're not gonna last much longer. And you know, we're getting pretty we're getting ready to transition into Patreon or premium only episodes or maybe one a month, one free episode a month. And you know what that is. That, that's just the final <laughs> step towards. Only, yeah. you know, a premium episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we started off with, yeah, let's do half and half. Uh, let's move to one free and then three. And it's like, hey, you know what? It's Time to take that final step. <laughs> <You know? Exactly. laughs> it's just the beginning. It's, it's either that or we got to get sponsors like MeUndies and all these other jack-offs yeah. and other people's shows. <laughs> so pay a few bucks a month. You don't have to hear any advertisements. You keep getting great content. Exactly. So, yeah.
0: yeah. I think that beats you know spending the first what ten minutes of the show just dropping all those sponsors. So oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, man. So that which drives me insane when I listen to certain podcasts, which a lot of times <laughs> puts me to the point where I don't listen to those podcasts anymore because I'm like, okay, like dude, <laughs> well, the worst is when the
1: worst is when they interrupt in the middle in the middle. they uh, will be like twenty yeah. minutes in, and they go, "Hey guys, I'm taking a quick break to tell you about our sponsor." And it's like, oh man. <laughs> More well, with Mike Muller just a second, but
0: let's talk about me like, no, no let's not talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you a caveman? But MeUndies? you know,
1: at the same time, I get it. People are putting a lot of hard work into yeah. a show. They've got to get revenue from somewhere, so it's either going to be sponsors or it's going to be a premium. Some people will give you the option. They go, look, if you don't want to hear commercials, pay five bucks a month, and you can listen to our premium episodes. So if people who don't want to pay it don't complain
0: about the commercials because you have an option. Exactly. And trust me, that's been yeah. on my brain a lot lately. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a conversation we'll be having off, you know, off the show. there. Yeah, so, that, that's another option. As, as, too, as I was, driving, actually, as I was yeah. driving back, you know, that's one thing I love about road trips. And you're sitting there and you listen to other podcasts and then it's just kind of <laughs> like. Keep having these aha moments, you know, even though we we've been talking about our transition with the premium episodes. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> so because there's always yeah. going to be that that one moocher that want that one free episode and to feel like they're in the clear. Like, well, at least I get one for free. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. still going to have to pay something out of this, you know, whether you have to listen to some sponsors or, you know, or just go do go do the premium episode. So, yeah. I mean, we're four and a half years into this. And, you know, it's time for the mooching to stop, <laughs> you know, so straight up. No doubt. So, all right, folks, you know know all the things to do. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye.